Hey there, my name is Allie Robinson. I am a certified personal trainer and running coach, and I am here to love, support, and guide you through this amazing journey to crushing your goals. We will talk about all things running, racing, strength training, nutrition, and weight loss without forgetting the real talk like mental health and motherhood. It's like a coffee date with your bestie, except I have the credentials, personal experience, and client testimonials to back it all up. So grab your favorite water bottle, put on your headphones, start your workout, and join me for something wonderful. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Something Wonderful podcast. Um, in honor of Thanksgiving, I have a little bit of a special episode for you. This is going to be an Ask Me Anything episode. So I have my dear friend and client, Angela, here. She is going to be asking me questions that you guys have been asking on Instagram, on Facebook, inside of the Weight Loss for Runners group, questions that uh, need to be answered. And I want to kind of give you guys that kind of support, but there may be questions that don't require an entire episode. So Angela, say hi to everybody. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here and helping me out with these Ask Me Anything episodes. So let's go ahead and just dive on in. You want to ask me the first question? Absolutely. The first question we have is how to be consistent on weekends. This is a good question because... Um, I, I see it a lot in my clients and, and women in the group is that, you know, we, we thrive on structure, right? And for a lot of us, especially who are working a Monday through Friday, nine to five type of job, it's easy for us to have that structure throughout the week, right? There is a rhythm to the way things work, whether we are getting kids ready for school and there's kids, you know, picking up kids from school and we've got lunches throughout our workday and we have maybe our dinners well planned out throughout the week, right? There's some structure that happens Monday through Friday of, you know, pretty consistent basis. Then on the weekends, for a lot of us, it could just be kind of a free-for-all, right? Weekends could be us needing to run errands. There could be family gatherings or parties. Um, you know, holidays like to come on and throw off our, our structures and schedules. You know, there's a lot of things on the, the weekends that maybe are not super consistent or um, things that are maybe a little bit harder to predict or schedule out. So what I will tell you is the most important way to stay consistent on the weekends is by having a plan, right? Almost like plan to not have a plan. So if you are going to be running errands and you know that you are going to be gone from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., if you are like me, you are going to be hungry at some point during 10 to 3. So you know that you are going to want lunch at some point while you are running your errands. 
can you can you plan ahead before you even leave the house? Can you decide if there is a restaurant nearby where you're running your errands that you could stop at that kind of has options that fit into your nutritional values? Could you pack some sort of snack or lunch that you can take with you on the go? If you are meeting up with friends or family, can you maybe have a nutritious meal beforehand so that way you're not heading into a family gathering already starving and maybe tempted to indulge on things you wouldn't normally eat? Okay, so the biggest thing that I can say is that if you are struggling to stay consistent with your nutrition goals on the weekend is is having a plan. Okay, and that doesn't mean we have to plan out every single meal, but can we just think ahead of like, what is the next thing that I'm going to eat? Or if I get hungry, what options do I have? And that will help you kind of, um, you know, have that plan A and maybe even have a plan B for things that don't go as planned on the weekends. Okay, as far as, you know, because it doesn't elaborate, right? It's just how to stay consistent. I just assumed that that was for nutrition Um, because I feel like most runners, we're we're pretty good at getting our long run in on the weekends, right? Like those are the runs that we, we plan our whole life around our long runs on the weekend. Um, So I'm going to assume that question was about nutrition. So hopefully, hopefully that helps. I know that's a very broad answer. It's just, you know, plan, plan, plan. But if we plan it out, and we already have an idea of what we want to eat, and when we want to eat it, it makes it so much harder to justify the ordering of pizza or stopping off for fast food when life is crazy and chaotic and disorderly on the weekends. Okay. So next question. All right. Question number two, how do you manage fueling on really hot days? So with hot days, right? My, my, as a coach, like my immediate answer is like, well, on a hot day, you would fuel the exact same way that you would on a cold day, right? Like your body, you still need electrolytes. You still need um, to hydrate. You still need simple carbs and sugar. But as someone that runs in South Florida all summer long, I completely understand why these really, really, really hot months and those really, really, really hot runs can be a little bit more worrisome, right? Because your body is working really, really, really hard to cool yourself off, right? Your body is trying to, you know, pump a lot of blood to your, um, you know, muscles, to your extremities, and there is less blood going to your stomach. Okay. And we need our stomach and we need blood in our digestive system in order for us to digest food, right? So if we are eating food as we normally would during a more ideal running weather situation, um, our body might not be digesting food as well or as efficiently as it would in cooler weather or more tempered weather. So when it is really hot outside, 
One thing that I will say is making sure you are very strategic with the simple and easily digestible carbs and sugars that you are consuming. Okay. Because you might find that it is harder for your body to digest food. Um, so have, have options for yourself. Okay. I know when I did my 50 miler, um, it was in the middle of July in South Florida. It was like 94 degrees during the day. It was wicked, wicked hot. So I, you know, I, I planned everything out of this is what I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat so many calories every hour, but by mile like 40 in that race, um, my nutrition, um, plan was completely out the window because my stomach was upset. You know, obviously I was overheated and I wasn't able to consume the things that I thought I was going to, or that I wanted to consume. So I had luckily packed so many different snacks and options so that if my plan didn't go accordingly, I had kind of those plan Bs available. So even though I wanted to be eating more, more kind of whole foods or foods that were going to give me a little bit more energy, I ended up eating mostly like peppermint patties for the whole like last third of the race because the mint was really good on my stomach and it was really easy to digest. And there was lots of sugars in the peppermint patties to fuel my body. Okay, so what I will say is during these hot runs is you might have to do a little bit of trial and error. When you're overheated, what is simple enough for your body to digest? Okay, find something that works for you and your body. You may find that you need a little bit more carbs and sugars than you do, um, you know, in cooler weather. You might find that you need to maybe change what you are eating a little bit or find something really simple to consume. Um, making sure that when you are eating, whether that is a goo, a chew, um, or, you know, some sort of candy or real food, make sure that you are drinking water when you are eating that water is going to help aid in that digestive digestion. So make sure that you're not just drinking a little bit here and there and then eating food in between make sure that you're drinking water while you are eating because that little extra water in your stomach is going to make it easier for your body to digest whatever is in your stomach. So, uh, you know, good for you for being able to do those hot weather runs. Um, I know that they are not easy, um, but, you know, it is possible to, to train and run outside in the heat. It just does take practice and a little bit of listening to your body and a little bit of trial and error to see what works for you, what's gentle enough for you to digest and not end up with an upset stomach um, and make it so that you can still get energy and calories into your body. Thank you. Uh, question number three, how much time should you schedule between half marathon races? Okay. This is a really good question because I see a lot of athletes that, um, maybe have shiny object syndrome, right. And I'm guilty of this too. So I'm not calling anybody out, but, 
I know that I like to race for the medals, right? And if I, there is a season where there are a bunch of like local races, I'm like, I want to do this race and I want to do that race and I want to do that race, right? And then suddenly I start signing up for all these races and I look at my calendar, I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of races, right? Or that's a lot of races in one month or, uh, you know, whatever. So not calling anyone out because I'm guilty of this too. Um, but what I can say is, is making sure that you have a strategy for your races. Okay. There is no perfect time that you need to have between your half marathons right? I mean, think about people that are training for marathons, they will do back to back long runs, you know, at weekends, right? They'll do a long run one weekend, and then they're doing a long run the next weekend. So would it hurt you if you did back to back half marathons, you know, if it fits into what your current training plan is, it probably won't hurt as long as you are listening to your body and being strategic about it, right? If you are looking to PR a half marathon, I wouldn't suggest doing those back-to-back weekends, right? You're going to want time to rest and recover. If you are doing an all-out effort, your body is going to need time to recover before your next hard attempt. So if you're trying to PR one uh, half marathon, I would get it at least three, four weeks in between races. If you are just running 13 miles to run 13 miles and you're very strategic with your fueling and you're doing like an easier effort for your race, if you needed to do them back to back, I'm sure that you could do that, right? Obviously, you don't want to be pushing through any aches or pains or injuries, Um, You want to be listening to your body. And if you were looking at two different races that you wanted to do, maybe look at what race you want to be like your A-game race, right? What race do you want to really push and, and do to PR or have a good time? And then maybe pick the race that is going to be just for fun. I know as a coach, when I'm planning out my athletes, like racing seasons, I try to to have at least four to six weeks in between major races. That way we have time to recover between each race. We have time to get in some really good training runs between each race and that we're not overloading the system with all of these different races. Trust me, I get it. I want to do all the races. I want to collect all the medals. But if you've got big racing goals, sometimes it's like sometimes less is more. Right. Sometimes it's better to be a little bit more strategic with your races. So that way you can train strategically and race strategically. Okay. But there is no set time period that you have to have between races. My rule of thumb is that you want at least one day for every mile long that your race was before you do hard training. 
right? So if you did a half marathon, I would have at least 13 days of either rest, active rest, or easier runs and workouts before hitting hard training again. That way you can make sure that you're giving your body the time to repair and recover before putting it through more stress of hard training. Okay. So again, there is no rules, but keep in mind, what are your big goals? Where is your body and where is your training, right? If you're training for a marathon, you absolutely can do back-to-back long runs. If you are running your very first half marathon, I would make sure to give yourself plenty enough time to recover before doing the next one. Okay. So hopefully, hopefully that, that kind of gives you some information. Thank you. Uh, next question. And I know this is a struggle for me, uh, depending upon what's going on in my life. How can I cut back on soda consumption? And are there any substitutes? Okay, so I feel you on this one, because I love carbonation. Okay. Um, especially when I was younger, I loved soda. I loved energy drinks, not necessarily because I liked the flavor or I needed all the caffeine, but because I loved the super carbonation in those types of beverages. So when I decided that I wanted to cut out or really limit any soda consumption, this was a really, really difficult thing for me to do. So I completely understand where you are coming from. So if it is a carbonation thing, one of the big things are the sparkling waters, right? LaCroix, Bubbly's, Waterloo. There's so many different brands of carbonated waters. However, if you are a soda drinker, you are going to know that soda does not taste anything like sparkling water. And if you're going from the super pungent tastes and flavors of soda to suddenly drinking sparkling water, it can be a huge shock to the system, right? I thought they tasted really weird. Um, I did not like those sparkling beverages at all. Um, I, I didn't like the way that they tasted, but I wanted to get away from soda. So one of the things that I did is I took those, um, you know, I took like the bubbly or the, the LaCroix and I had those little, um, those little pouches or those little bottles of flavoring that you can put into water. So I took a lot of like those fruity flavors, like cherry or orange, and I would grab kind of correlating flavors of sparkling water. And I would squeeze a little drop of flavoring into the sparkling water. And then what I would do is I would drink it like that because I felt like, okay, at least this is still better than soda. And then what I did over time is I just did less and less of the added flavoring until I was drinking the sparkling water just by itself, no flavor added. Um, but that process took at least a month or two of me kind of weaning off of soda 
and weaning off of adding flavoring to those sparkling waters. Um, you know, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't a fast process, but now, I mean, LaCroix and bubbly is a staple in my refrigerator. That is my treat um, for myself that I might have a sparkling water when I am eating dinner or after dinner. That is my little treat for myself um, instead of reaching for a soda. So I know that that's not a substitute but that is at least what I did in my own journey. If you would like to try something similar, you are more than welcome to, especially if it's the carbonation that you're craving. Um, I know that they have a lot of these, what are marketed as healthier sodas, like the, they have like the Zevia or something, um, sodas, or they have the poppy, which is like supposed to be like a probiotic soda. Um, you know, I feel like if you're really trying to get away from soda, what are you trying to get away from, right? And are you just replacing one kind of, um, not addiction, but kind of one treat with another treat, if you're going to try to find a quote unquote healthier soda, Okay, so I don't know so much about like substitutes for soda or those other kind of marketed healthier sodas, but, um, you know, as far as trying to get on board with the sparkling water, I know that it might not completely scratch that itch that you have for a soda, but if it's something that you do slowly over time, maybe you'll find it just as um, exciting and appealing as a cold soda. Okay, so hopefully, hopefully that gave you some ideas. Um, but I know that soda is hard to kick. So thank you for your question. So our next one is how soon to eat before a run? Okay. So again, this is going to come back to what works for you. Okay. I know that when I first started running, my stomach was extremely sensitive. Like if I just had a couple crackers before I run, my stomach would be upset. Right. But over time of learning to eat and run, I kind of got like this, this iron stomach over time. Right now, I know I just talked about how I did my ultra and my stomach was upset, but ultras are a whole new monster. But in general, you know, I can eat just about anything and run at the same time or eat anything before a run and then, um, you know, hit the pavement shortly after. OK, but that didn't happen overnight. And it took a lot of trial and error to figure out what works for me. Okay, so when you are starting out with eating, be conservative at first and then maybe get closer and closer to your runtime. And I know that's really difficult, especially if you are waking up at like five o'clock in the morning and six o'clock in the morning and going for your runs. If you're running at six, you definitely don't want to be waking up at five o'clock to be eating a big breakfast and then waiting an hour before you run. So what I will say is that 
the shorter of a time period before your run, the smaller of a, the smaller snack that you are going to eat. Okay. So if you were going to eat something and you only have five, 10 minutes before your run, I would stick with something really, really small and really, really simple. Maybe that is a goo or a gel. Maybe that is some crackers or graham crackers or an applesauce pouch, something that is really small and really easy on the stomach to consume. If you only have five, 10 minutes, if you have maybe 30 minutes, Maybe you can have something a little bit heartier, but still very small and easy to digest. So maybe that is like a half a banana and some peanut butter. Maybe that is a rice cracker with some jelly on it. Maybe that is a slice of toast, something that is still going to give you the carbs that your body needs, but, um, you know, still easy for your body to digest in the 30 minutes that you have before your run. Um, if you have a full hour before your run, then you could maybe do something a little bit more filling like oatmeal. Um, but as far as when you need to eat before I run, it does not matter. Okay. Do a little bit of trial and error to figure out what works for you, what works with your body. And then, um, you know, just remember that the shorter that you have before your run, the smaller that your snack is going to be. That way you don't have that food kind of sitting in your stomach. And if at first you find yourself with an upset stomach or your body is doesn't like eating and running at the same time, um, just know that I completely understand. I get you. And that when you keep practicing and when you keep finding new things that your stomach can handle, I promise your body does learn how to adjust and it figures out how to be more efficient when you find what works for you. Okay. And our final question uh, for now is what is Jeffing? Ooh, okay. So Jeffing is kind of a nickname for a guy that really, or a runner that really kind of popularized um, kind of run walk intervals. His name is Jeff Galloway. So people have kind of nicknamed it to be like Jeffing when you do a run walk style of running. And the cool thing is that this guy, Jeff Galloway, has actually made entire marathon training plans, half marathon training plans, all based around a run walk method. And so I think it's made doing these longer distance races really inclusive for all types of people and all types of runners, because there is no run one right way to do things. And so you might hear Jeffing being referred to this guy's very specific, um, you know, run walk training plans, or they might just be referring to Jeffing as a runner um, or a running style that is based on a run walk method. Okay, so that is Jeffing. It is all based around a guy named Jeff Galloway and the the way that he has popularized running and walking 
all throughout a race. That was that was it. That was the last question. All righty. Okay. Well, then I guess that is it for me today. I hope you guys have a wonderful, um, well, I guess happy Black Friday, right? So have a wonderful rest of your holiday weekend, and I will talk to you guys very soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Something Wonderful podcast. To show your support for the show, please take a moment to rate and review wherever you are listening to your episodes. You can follow me on Instagram at something underscore wonderful. And you can even join my free Facebook group, Weight Loss for Runners. And remember, my friends, until next time, you are something wonderful.